1: Hello, coming to you live on a Sunday
0: Yes, because the world is not uh, always what you want it to be
1: (laughs) Indeed, indeed, well happy weekend to you
0: And happy weekend to you Uh, And happy weekend to you, listener and viewers You are watching slash listening to Set Phasers A highly illogical Star Trek podcast Where we talk about Star Trek discovery How much we love it all the great things about it. And also, we have been discussing live, um, or at least weekly, the new season, season three of Star Trek Discovery, which has only had two episodes so far. Yes. And they are great. We They're are very great. excited to discuss them. So, uh, today's star date for the episode is Star Date 31025.5. Hmm. And we will be discussing episode two of season three, entitled Far From Home.
1: Yep. Mm-hmm. And, ah. Uh, I just, oh, so many questions. But anyway, yes. should we, shall we get into the rundown? Let's run it down.
0: It's time to run it down. Mm-hmm. Can you run it down mm-hmm. for me? Mm-hmm. what just happened. Mm-hmm. Can you run it down mm-hmm. for me? Okay, we're going to run it down. We're going to keep, we're, we're doing this. I'm going to keep it quick. Here's how everything that happened in episode two of season three. So first thing you got to know is, The Episode 1 followed Michael. Episode 2, which kind of makes sense, follows basically Discovery, the ship and the crew, as they come through the time wormhole. And we discover at the end that they come through, like, because of how temporal distortion works or whatever, it's been a year since Michael showed up, even though they were right behind her. So it's Discovery going through the wormhole, and they're all passed out, and they're all whatever, and then Saru comes to, and the crew comes through, and they wake up, and they're they enter normal space and they're in the middle of like a debris field again. And the ship is all screwed up because it was in a huge fight with control when they left the time that they came from. And so they're like flying through debris and then the ship is not really functioning. And they enter the atmosphere of this planet that they don't know anything about. And Detmer who's at the controls basically has to, has to with the help of her crewmates do like a controlled landing and the ship basically crash lands into some rocky icy terrain uh, and actually i think of note is that detmer kind of goes flying over the the desk and then for the rest of the episode she's kind of like in a bit of a weird headspace even though she gets checked out by the doctor and doesn't have a concussion
1: i want to talk more about that yeah
0: we do need to discuss it because i have i have a couple yeah. theories or thoughts mm-hmm. so the deal with discovery is once they've landed uh, all the power is out, the comms unit is broken, the EPS grid is all jacked up, so they can't get, uh, they can't leave, they can't communicate and try to find Michael, and so everything is kind of in disarray. Saru, who's the acting captain, basically says, okay, here's what we're going to do. No one's going out into this unknown planet. We're going to fix the ship first and foremost, because once we fix the ship, then we can find Michael and we can figure out what time we're in and did everything work out. mm mm-hmm. uh, Tilly does run some scans and finds out that there are there is a settlement. So there is life. And so they celebrate over the fact that their gambit to beat control won because there's still li- living beings in the galaxy. Um, but uh, Saru's in charge, but Giorgio is there, who, you know, former evil emperor version from the Mirror Universe of Giorgio.
1: I love, P.S. I love her in this episode. Love She's her. great in this
0: episode, and this is like the what the Georgia we've been waiting for. Yeah, well, the Georgia we know and love, and also don't know and don't love.
1: She doesn't I feel don't know. as tethered. I feel she's just like sort of going, "Oh well, I'm in a new time. It doesn't matter." That's like her thing, yeah.
0: right? Because because well, so she shows up with like <laughs> blood and guts all over her, <laughs> and they're like, "Are you okay?" And she's like, "Yeah, someone had to take care of Leland." So she basically she must have stomped him to death? That's what it seems like because he's, he's all over his shoes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's sort of like, why are we fixing the ship? We need to get out there and figure out what's going on because if they're hostile people, they want to take us on. Uh, so Saru has to sort of assert control.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And he does that by ba- basically saying like, it, once they find out that their comms unit is not just in need of repairs, in need of a complete rebuild and they need a certain materials do that, which does seem to be in this settlement that they found. Uh, he says, okay, he's going to go with Tilly, not with Giorgio or Nan, to meet these future people and to try and barter with them or trade, a la the Federation, you know, honorable code. Uh, And so uh, he and Tilly set out for the settlement. That's kind of our A plot line. The B plot line is uh, Paul Stamets, who uh, was sort of like head... Is he head engineer or head scientist? It's hard to describe what his job is on that ship because Jet is really head engineer, sort of.
1: Mm. There's a power play between them. They seem yes. pretty equal, but delightful. you're not quite sure.
0: Yeah. Um, so he was put in a coma because he got impaled during the battle trying to make the Red Angel suit for Michael. He has to be woken up by Hugh, his partner, uh, because they need the beds for people who are more seriously injured after the ship crash-landed. And he's been told, like, hey, take it easy. We're going to put you in the cellular regeneration chamber, but don't go crazy. Uh, Hugh, like, is threatening him, like, don't go crazy because I will hurt you. And he goes, okay. But then he completely ignores that, and he goes right back to work, even though he's in severe pain and his wound is not completely healed. Uh, also, Jet Reno, everyone's favorite character. I don't know if it's everyone's favorite, but I'm loving the hell out of her. Um she like hurt her back in the crash landing. Mm. So she's got a toolbox that also doubles as a, a chair, which I thought was a great touch. And she and Sam have to work together, even though they have sort of a, they're like frenemies, I guess.
1: Mm.
0: A friendly enmity. They both they both don't take each other's shit, basically, is I guess the best way to put it. But uh, that's sort of the, that non-buddy experience is happening at the same time. So, Back to the main storyline, Saru and Tilly find uh, like follow a stranger who's sort of like uh, beckoning them on, and they wind up ending up in this weird saloon establishment, basically, Mm. which I thought was so, so like um, deliberate. The mood,
1: yeah,
0: right. It was like they even had the swinging doors. There was a lot of commentary
1: about it being very similar to Firefly. With
0: that look. They had a, a very big firefly. Mm. I was going to mention that as well. Yeah. So essentially they get there and they meet some untrusting strangers who are the people who live there, who are the miners, uh, who are living under this new situation in the galaxy, which is dilithium is a, is a hot commodity, very hard to find. And their ships have been, their ships are warp capable, but they have no dilithium and they are in thrall, basically. They are under the thumb of a courier who is the only person who will take the stuff that they mine and bring it to the exchange? And I assume basically the courier charges them an exorbitant fee and apparently also killed their former courier. And so uh, this courier, what's his name? Uh I wrote it down.
1: Cal Zella. Oh, I've forgotten. Oh, the that the back. I forgot his name. I never, I think you only get it once. Guy.
0: Yeah. Well, they say, oh, Zara. let mm. Zara will have tracked them. Um, Yes, they meet Cal, who's one of the miners who actually does repair their comms unit with, now we have a word for this weird stuff that can turn into other stuff. It's called reprogrammable matter. Uh, Yeah, whatever. And Saru and Tilly are trying to like keep a low profile, but also find out what's going on because obviously it's been (laughs) basically a thousand years. Uh, But as they are there with the miners who are a bit jumpy and tell them the whole thing about Zara, Zara shows up. And basically...
1: With spurs on his boots.
0: He's got spurs on his boots and he's got his posse with him. You know, they come through the door and they're all, yeah, they got guns. They got these laser rifles <laughs> or whatever. And, uh, well, actually, they wind up shooting Cal, essentially, for because Cal stands up for Saru and Tilly. And then he basically tries to extort Dilithium, from Discovery through Tilly and Saru by sending Tilly back. Now, there's a C plot line, and that is that where Discovery landed on this planet, um, there's this ice that apparently is a parasitic ice that grows more in the dark. Like, when it gets mm. dark, the ice grows exponentially and crushes everything it finds. It's a parasite. And so that's growing around the ship, and so the sun is setting, and the ice is crushing the ship, and they're trying to repair the ship before the ice crushes it, all that stuff. So now they're sending their, you know, Zara's idea is to send Tilly back uh, to get this dilithium that he and Saru have agreed, agreed upon and bring it back while they hold Saru hostage. Mm. While that's happening, though, Giorgio shows up because obviously she will not follow orders. She <laughs> walks into the bar, which is like, she's even more badass than Zara. And she starts talking a good game. She's tur- um, kind of turning Zara's men against him by being like, you know, he hasn't told you that he doesn't really have it in the bag either. Anyway, Zara takes objection to this, uh, attacks her. Uh, she lets it happen for a while to get him into a good position. And then Saru and Giorgio, but mostly Georgiou, uh, handle Zara and like his three henchmen. She kills like all three of them, pretty much. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then... Saru stops her from killing Zara, basically. He's like, even though he, you know, he may be a blight and obviously is a horrible person. And he, even after he's been granted his reprieve by Saru, who has to stand off with Giorgio and it gets very tense. Uh, and, and Saru says, the miners will decide what to do with you. Even in that moment, he threatens that he will come back and like kill the miners and their children and slowly kill them and have them starve to death and all this punitive stuff. But, uh, Essentially, they're able to, with Giorgio's help, because Giorgio's into this kind of stuff, uh, get rid of Zara, send him out into the ice alone instead of killing him outright. And then they give Saru a personal transporter, which is the cool new tech of this age. And they're able to beam back to the ship with their repaired thing. They use the repaired comms. While that's been happening, uh, Stamets and Reno have been working together, even though Reno's trying to convince Stamets that he should just lie down. But Samus is too stubborn to do so So he climbs into a Jeffreys tube And the ship is being crushed and being shaken about And so he gets injured His injury re-injures and he's bleeding all over In the Jeffries tube even though he's at the conduit That he's fixing And Colber is called because he's the head doctor uh, And Reno is able to talk Samus through the repair And so they fix the power grid Which means that now the ship is able to Get their engine stuff back, impulse and, and thrust And the comms are fixed So they would generally be able to communicate with people. But all these things are sort of rebooting and repowering as the ice is covering the ship now because the sun has set. And so they're trying to pull out of the ice as the ice is trying to cover it. And it seems like it's not going super well and shields are getting jacked up and they're having to rewrite, reroute power and uh, all this is happening. And then a ship shows up on their sensors and the ship captures them in a tractor beam and pulls them out of the ice. And who is it on the ship when they are hailed? It's Michael, dun,
1: dun, dun. and she says,
0: it, dun, dun dun dun." It's been a year, and, but I finally found you, and so now the story of discovery will continue in the future. Mm-hmm. And that, I think, is the rundown. Yeah, we did it. We did uh, it. Toss, toss, toss. Okay, yeah. so
1: <laughs> this is the new format of the rundown.
0: This is the new <laughs> form of the rundown, where I try to crush it in like wow. ten minutes. Yeah. But now we can discuss like all these things. So what are your, let's start with Detmer because that's sort of the first thing that happens even though it's like not a main plot line but three or four times we see that she's really out of it.
1: I feel, I mean, we're given such a hint that something is wrong with Detmer.
0: But is it because of the crash or what is it?
1: I mean, no, so he, as the episode starts, you get the, you know, what happened last time in Star Trek Discovery and then you you see that moment of Leland falling and like control and the metal bits kind of falling out of them and then when we start on Discovery again and and everything's quiet and everyone seems a bit dead and everyone's kind of waking up and you see that scene of Saru and then things are bouncing and you see this sort of metal powdery type thing bouncing and I'm like are we? like, are we given that hint that that's some sort of control thing? Are we not rid of control? Is is that something? Oh. So I'm thinking, yeah, is the Detmer thing related to like control, and somehow it's gonna, it's it's in Detmer,
0: right? Because she has the bionics implant. Yeah, the same way that uh, Arium was sort of taken over by control. Yes, but she's yeah, she's less fully bionic or less totally bionic than Arium was. That's a good question. I wasn't sure if that was the, what was going on. She does crack a smile at the very end of the episode when they see Michael. So there's there's some middle ground here with Detmer. Mm. But it's a kind of a mystery, and it's never really, it's like a loose end yeah. that they kind of want us to keep pulling at.
1: Because when she leaves sickbay, and there's that whole moment of Culver looking back at her as she's yeah. walking out, and you're like, there's something not right here.
0: Yeah. I'm not sure what yeah. it is. But mm-hmm.
1: mm, one to watch.
0: One to watch. Yeah. Keep an eye on, on Detmer. Because something's going on there, something beneath the surface. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, let's talk about this whole Wild West thing.
1: Uh, What did you think? Let's go with you first.
0: Well, I thought it was a fun way to introduce the same concepts as the first episode. Mm -hmm. But the more I think about it, the less beef I have with it. Because it is a little out of character for Discovery. Mm -hmm. which is usually so, so serial, but it is very classic Star Trek kind of plot. Like a way team, two people Mm -hmm. show up, have to deal with some tough and like get things to work out. And there is the added into the mix, Giorgio shows up. And so it does have a little bit of a discovery thing, but it is, it's very on the nose. Cause like, even when they show up in the saloon. (laughs) With
1: the double doors.
0: The double doors, they walk in. The only thing that was missing was somebody playing like dinga danga dinga 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 (laughs) dinga piano in the corner and then stopping or whatever. Yeah. (laughs) Like the bartender's even cleaning a mug Mm. behind the bar and then like picks up a little, the right, the hand rifle things. It was a little, it was a little goofy.
1: A little over Um, the top. And I think like for me, if they hadn't done the spurs, I might have been okay with it. But the spurs and some of the, the sound design was a little, you know, deliberate in that, on that, in that respect.
0: Very on the nose there. I do think it was a way for them to underscore that this is not your old Federation or your old Star Trek. Like, there's no no overarching Federation reprisals. This really is the, quote, Wild West. You know, like, these couriers basically own the people for whom they curry. Mm Mm-hmm. Because everything is ruled by the exchange, which is like the, you know, the, the place where civilization is still ruled by maybe by laws. We don't know enough about the exchange and everything. But out here on the outskirts, these, these miners are taken advantage of and they, their ships are not capable, so they're unable to provide for themselves. And I think it's cool that that kind of scarcity is something that Star Trek has never had to deal with writ large the closest thing that comes to that is like voyager where they're like the ship itself is in undiscovered country and they meet new civilizations each week and stuff Mm -hmm. there you know but that's sort of writ small because it's like it's the ship that is they're running out of dilithium and they need to find water or they need to find food or whatever here it seems like the whole galaxy is under this this kind of awful situation where if you're not able to to scrape by you know with some sort of commodity to give to a courier to give to the power that be in the exchange, then your your life is basically forfeit, mm-hmm. so I'm wondering that sort of seems like part of what the this discovery and possibly the federation will have to come up against mm-hmm. uh, in this series, so I thought that was interesting. There's no noble authority
1: mm, because commodities are scarce, and therefore yeah. it's going to be trade, such as capitalism.
0: Yeah, there's, there's scarce dilithium because of the burn, I guess. Mm-hmm. And also the subspace is all jacked up for two light years. So it's like hard to communicate via subspace. I don't know. That's interesting. I love the programmable matter. I feel like that's going to come. Mm-hmm. That's well, going to be important. Yeah,
1: it will come back. I just yeah. like everything with discovery. There's always a purpose to something. And I was mm-hmm. just like, what on earth was the purpose of adding spurs? To me, that was just I couldn't really get behind that.
0: I feel like that was meant to be an affectation. They swung for the fences on Zara, the character, I Mm. think. And maybe like went a little overboard. That's my feeling. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Like if he hadn't had spurs, you would have been like, oh, I love this Wild West send up. But then he shows up and he's like, if he had like spit in a spittoon or something, it would have made sense. But he is meant to be this like, because he's not like Book, the courier, or even the courier that wanted to kill Book in the first episode. He's like, he's a courier, but he also has like a crew of tufts that walk around with him, and he's like, check the perimeter. So he's carved out this little fiefdom for himself as the courier. I just feel like we're going to run into other small, like petty kings and queens like that in the series Mm -hmm. as as it continues to figure out what's going on with the galaxy here. So I don't know. Hopefully there won't be more like literal cowboys.
1: <laughs> Space cowboys.
0: But the another topic it brings up is like, what is the goal going to be? I guess in the first episode, it's like, we're going to bring Starfleet back. You know, they hang mm-hmm. up the flag and Michael says, I'm going to help you bring Starfleet back, but we have to figure out what's going on with the burn. Like, yeah. why, why did the burn happen? That's a mystery. And you, like you said, nothing is extraneous in Discovery. Like everything has some ties into usually some sort of unified meaning. So I'm, I'm curious about the burn, because mm-hmm. it doesn't seem like something that would have naturally happened. It seems like a plot maybe? But, oh yeah, and I, the other thing about Zara is that he does say literally, like, the burn was the best thing that ever happened for me. So obviously the burn has to do with why the situation is what it is. Yeah. However cool the programmable matter and the singing space druid with hot, hot, hot abs and a glowing forehead in book is, and it's cute cat. Uh, there's something... Something weird there. Also, the Gorn and the subspace thing is weird. Yep, we don't know why that happened.
1: Yeah, we've yet to see the Gorn.
0: Yeah, and then the biggest question of all, or the, you know, for us watching now, is like, what's up with Earth? You know, what's going on?
1: I don't know. Well, we get we only get that glimpse at the very end where we got the preview of the next episode.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the That's only right.
1: time we we, we like they, they're they're going to go to Earth and then we get some sort of like robot glimpse and you're like, oh, mm-hmm. is Earth been taken over by robots?
0: Well, they do Which have those weird um, drones in the Yes, um, it, the, you're right. It does
1: look like a drone from the credits. Yeah. That's what it is. But did you I notice So when they were coming in to land on the planet that um, yeah. has no name? I think they just called it the colony. And we know that. It, so we know it's not Hema. And we know it's not Terralesium. So it's this yeah. different planet. Did you notice like the giant crater?
0: I did. Yeah.
1: And I was like, was that burn related?
0: Yeah, I'm curious because also remember, yeah, that seems like it was because Tilly does say like there are pockets mm. in the on the planet that are like hexagonal shaped or something like dodecagons. Dodeca-
1: I wrote dodeca- that. Down.
0: Yeah, of course, because that's three dimensional. Um, where there's more oxygen than there is on the planet, so like the the service itself is pretty blasted. Like they mm. have to go to the doctor to get altered so that they can breathe the atmosphere and also they that's why i feel like the saloon thing happened because they have to go so came out to get transported up into the the colonies that are above the surface actually so i don't know it's curious yes i feel like the burn has to be involved cuz mm-hmm. dilithium was probably being processed everywhere it's part of warp so that's interesting i'm also curious about this quantum slipstream business
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, from the first episode
1: i'm sure we'll hear more about
0: that yeah of course I'm curious about book and why why can he talk to plants and animals <laughs> uh okay and I have one final thought okay uh although it was kind of given away in the next time I realized but my question was watching the episode like is Giorgio gonna stay in the band because like you said she's untethered and she doesn't seem to mind being untethered when she's in the the ship with na uh the the elevator the elevator turbo lift. When she gets on the lift with none, she's like, "I like jumping from universe to universe." She's into it.
1: Mm.
0: So I'm curious why she would stay in Starfleet.
1: I feel like eventually she would leave,
0: but she's so
1: drawn to Michael. You're right. That I'm you're like, right. I missed battle. the obvious thing. Yeah, but I feel like you're right. At some point, I feel I feel like she she might leave once you know, Michael's okay and everything, like, yeah. you know, maybe at the end of the season, I don't know, but because what yeah, else I mean, is her? It's
0: like uh, just this one episode, like she could sh- give her a ship
1: mm-hmm.
0: and one of those lasers and she'll be the emperor <laughs> in like a year's time again. She's, yeah. you know.
1: What was her? I have to ask because I didn't really get this. What was her fascination with Linus? Because.
0: Oh, I've I've had two thoughts about that. Okay. One, we know that Giorgio is sort of just like into experiences, uh, romantic (laughs) and otherwise, right? Mm. Uh, And two, I think maybe she was using him as an excuse to get away.
1: But what does she... Because I think it was only when he said it was his vision that, you know, he had 72 different types of perspectives or something. I forget what it was. She was like, oh, that's interesting. And then she, you know, walked him off arm and arm. And I thought, what on earth is that about? Like, what did...
0: I thought, initially, I was like, it's got to be a sex thing. (laughs) Right? Uh But then I thought, well, it didn't come to pass because I thought maybe she was going to use him to help her see something or something like that. Like, she... Mm had some inkling of of how that might be useful. Maybe that will come to pass. I don't know. But I really thought that was the only reason she did that was so that she could get out from under Nan's supervision. Because then she tells Nan she's going to deck eight with Linus. Yep. And then when Nan shows up and asks Reno, like, hey, Giorgio was supposed to come down here and help. And she's like, Giorgio, help? What are you, crazy?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You really thought that? Uh more good people being high on drugs, acting especially by
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, Tig Notaro, who <laughs> is on painkillers. Yep, and uh, she's great. What does she call Samets? Bobcat? Bobcat, yeah. She says, "Well done, Bobcat." Hey, Bobcat, uh, yeah. And and Hugh goes, "Bobcat." She goes, "I don't know. I'm on drugs."
1: Mm. She, has uh, she has some great
0: lines. She has some great lines. What does she say? I wrote down the guy's name, who she forgot. Jean. Oh, Jean. <laughs> yeah, my name
1: is like Jean. like cleaning?
0: The slop. Um, I already forgot yep. that. Uh, yeah, she's great. She. I really feel like. Um, Tig Notaro could be, a regular. I hope so. You know, that would be really awesome. But I know there's still some character we have yet to meet in this season, so mm-hmm. we'll see.
1: Okay, so we've covered the saloon. We've covered yes. a little bit of Giorgio. Yep. So what else? What were, what were some of your other big points that you you took away?
0: Well, apart from the Detmer thing, mm. which I agree with you, maybe means that control is not completely gone and they may have brought control into the future, which is terrifying. Uh I think that there's gonna there's something interesting about this whole like long range sensors have been gone for decades. So no one really knows what's going on outside of each sector so i'm curious if don't you think there has to be some authority somewhere it can't all just be the exchange like there has to be some kingpins space police emperor some space police or something because it's right now if we're going with the wild west comparison it's just lawless
1: yeah and how long ago was the burn i forget
0: all we were told was like 150, 200 years ago. Books just says before he was even born.
1: Oh, so that's a quite a long time for ago, lawlessness and no yeah. organization or architecture,
0: structure. We think something would would mm. have arisen. But I do think it's interesting that everyone knows about the Federation still. It's not like it's gone, gone. Because when they show up to meet the the miners, Cal's like, I, these are the Federation people. They... They're gonna help us because that's how they're made. Like it's like the Federation has become like a like a myth legend. Or like legend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's still some federation around, right? Uh oh yeah, and book says, like, I've seen people like you in all the ports, and they're, you know, people who it's all about the ideals, you know, mm-hmm. they're idealists. So I think I think there's gonna be an interesting clash slash communion Mm -hmm. when discovery meets other elements of starfleet slash the federation out there right now we've only met the one communications person who seemed just really happy that to meet anybody but if there are federation ships and there's some sort of hierarchy they're gonna they're gonna want to know why discovery showed up from the past and what the deal is even and that was all supposed to be kept hush hush Mm-hmm. So it was never in know. any
1: official records. Yeah, mm. it's a curious. Yeah.
0: So I don't know. I think we have an interesting season headed. Out. I mean, as usual, it's been a while since we haven't known what we were talking about.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's there's no but, Trek tropes. There's we're just yeah. blank canvas right now.
0: Yeah, there was one red alert.
1: There was one red alert.
0: Yeah, uh, but I feel like every season. Of the last two, we don't really know what's going on by the second episode. Mm. We're we we usually are given more questions, and yeah. I think this is no different.
1: It almost feels like we're starting again. Like there's no yeah. context at all with with this season. It's just yeah. all brand new. Because even when we, when it was Discovery, we're like, okay, we well, we know this is pre Kirk, and we know mm-hmm. kind of what to expect with the technology. We have some sort of idea. And you know, some of it's new in the way that it's presented, some of the characters are new, and then how they tie in, you know, with old characters like Michael and right. Spark and all of that. But now this is just brand new. There's no context, there's nothing. So yeah. it's yeah, we're we are exploring strange new worlds.
0: It's a strange, yes. I wrote in my notes that this is like, it's not a reboot of the original series, but it has that. Mm total unknown quality that people would have had when the first Star Trek came out, when there was no canon.
1: Right.
0: Uh, There was no, like, this is how everything goes. Like, Vulcans were new. We had no idea what Spock's deal was, you know? Yeah. So in a certain way, I think it's very adventurous, and I appreciate that. They've like decided, let's get away from uh, you might run into an old Picard here or something like that. There's no, there's none of that crossover potentiality. This is a brand new story set a thousand years forward from anything else we've ever seen. And um, I think it's going to be great. I'm excited. Yeah. Well, um, do you have any quotable moments? I
1: have lots I of quotable moments. Should we do, do quotable you? moments? Yeah, yeah let's go to quotable moments. Quotable moments. All right. Do you want to
0: go first? Yeah, I got to find my quote. Oh, here we are. Uh, yes, I really liked uh, when Reno says to Stamets, when she's trying to convince him to relax mm. and that he does, he can admit that he's in pain. He say, She says, helpless is a shitty feeling, but it's not forever and it doesn't make you any less capable. I
1: wrote that I th- down too.
0: Did you? No, I did, thought that was yeah. great. I use it for myself.
1: Mm, good for you, good one. <laughs> what else you got? Um, I had Culvers, which was I need to get you out of there alive so I can kill you.
0: Yep, which that I was really sweet.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and one that I did like, which was sort of less Star Trekky but much more kind of you know, um, in the moment, was uh, bureaucracy is where fun goes to die from Georgia. Oh, yeah. Georgia,
0: yes, it was yeah. fantastic, and it's 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 a great way to show that's her perspective. Mm-hmm even as an emperor. Yeah. She was not into bureaucracy. Uh, The only other thing I had was I loved the scene between Saru and Tilly when they're walking uh, towards the settlement at first and Tilly's sort of wondering why Saru picked her as opposed to one of the more badass Mm -hmm. people. And he says, I need an engineer. And she says, you got plenty of engineers. You, You know, Giorgio's an engineer. And then he says, we are introducing ourselves to the future and you, Ensign, Tilly, are a wonderful first impression.
1: Yeah, that was uh, a sweet moment you
0: know, I thought that was really sweet Immediately followed up by a stranger in the distance
1: Yes, there was one thing that I realized or noticed Which was when Saru and Tilly enter the bar And Saru says, greetings, we mean no harm And not, uh-huh. we come in peace Yes And I thought that was an interesting switch And I was like, I wonder why they did that
0: Right, well that's an interesting, yes Well you do remember the very first episode Well exactly the first season yeah.
1: But that's, you know, that's the tagline. So why would you change the tagline unless you're sort of, I don't know, potentially trying to get away from the the Klingon element of Discovery or, I don't know, Saru's... Just, it's just a it's a, a notable, uh, you know, maybe it's no to Bene, this is not the Star Trek you've known before.
0: I think that's part of it. Uh, and I guess Saru is also trying to keep a low, low profile. You know, it comes out that they're from the past <laughs> because... Zara was able to get readings off their, like, of their Graviton particles or whatever the Mm. whatever the what. Uh, But they were trying to kind of play it as like, yeah, we're Federation and we crash landed and we need you to fix our comms, but we're otherwise we're just a friendly neighborhood uh, Starfleet. Uh, I don't know. That was an interesting choice. We'll see. I'm sure it will all all will be more confusing and then all will be explained.
1: Indeed.
0: I also thought it was interesting that this episode was titled "Far from Home" and not "That Hope Is You" Part Two, as we discussed. Yes. So I'm wondering if "That Hope Is You" Part Two is uh, is coming later I in the season. I,
1: I feel something. like they've already titled out the episodes and we haven't seen it. So perhaps well, it's
0: great. coming. I don't know what season next.
1: after. Who knows? But that was that uh
0: Hope Is You." In, would be a great end, right? True.
1: In some of the Star Trek groups, that was a, a conversation, and I was like, "Oh, and no, no one had a good answer for that, really."
0: If I were
1: a betting man, if
0: I were them, I would make it the season finale. where that hope is you part two,
1: you know? Indeed. That is a good
0: one. Maybe I'm just a big nerd. I'm going to now Google what the next episode is. So you might want to play, you can Google that.
1: Oh, good one. You,
0: you can Google that.
1: Oh, oh, oh. But where can I
0: find that? <laughs> I'm sorry. I got ex- I don't know why I got so excited about my own
1: Your own Googling Star Trek thing, Discovery,
0: but I'm just excited to find out what the new next mm-hmm. going to be.
1: episode is. Season
0: three. Hey. I got it. Season three, episode three will be called
1: People of Earth. Did I steal and directed by Is it Frakesy? It's Frakesy. Yay!
0: Everybody's favorite favorite Freaksy.
1: Love a good Freaks.
0: No, you're right. I've, I'm looking at the rest of the titles, and there's no "That Hope Is You" part
1: mm-hmm. two. Oh, I, I do some nerd googling of my own, you know. Yeah, of course you do. Yeah,
0: that's why. That's why you're. You know, why we're friends. That's why we're friends. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, another mystery. The mysteries are both in the show and meta.
1: Yeah. Goodness.
0: So let's see. Oh, maybe there. Maybe there's a. I don't know. I don't. Know. I'm not going to speculate.
1: All right, shall we uh, Shall we next time? It? Let's throw it forward. Wait,
0: let's, let's next time. It. Next time on Set Phasers. All right, well, next time on Set Phasers, we'll be reviewing episode three of season three, which as we just discussed is called People of Earth and it's directed by Jonathan Frakes and I'm sure it will be a delight. Uh, but uh, otherwise... Uh, Thank you for joining us tonight uh, on a a regular Sunday. Normally, if you uh, like the program or want to hear more about us, you can catch us every Friday at 8 o'clock Eastern Time on Facebook Live or as a podcast whenever you like, wherever podcasts come from. And if you do find a podcast, please rate and subscribe it. That's how we get more people listening to the show.
1: Yeah, and tell your friends. We would love uh, for you to share the podcast far and wide. Yes. Like Aki said, so more people know about us. Um, of course, we are on Facebook and Instagram as well at Set Phasers Podcast, so feel free to follow us there and join in the conversation of all things Trek.
0: Mm-hmm. And if you want to support us on our continuing mission to discover what Discovery has in store for us, and we have no idea what that will be, we would only be delighted. So you can patronize us, we can take it, by going to patreon.com slash setphasers.
1: And you could get yourself one of these rather, rather attractive mugs here with our mugs on them. (laughs)
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) Anyway, um, (laughs) got carried away with that, sorry. Uh, Until next time, I'm Steph Manns.
0: And I'm Aki Burmese, and this has been Set Phasers, a highly illogical Star Trek podcast.
1: Computer. End program. <laughs>